I ask you to turn to the book of James. Some have designated this the Proverbs of the New Testament because the book of James doesn't deal so much with doctrine, but with practice. We need to be reminded that the Christian life is not just knowing stuff in our head. I bump into some people and say, I have learned the doctrines. I know certain things. I've got it in my head. It's in my head and it's in my head. And I can tell you what's in my head. That's about the size of it, folks. Needs to be in our head, but needs to be in our heart. Needs to come forth from our mouth. And, you know, Thanksgiving we had, we had all the kiddos with us. I was the son-in-law of a preacher. And I now have a son-in-law who is a preacher. And we were talking back during the opportunities about the fact that Paul was pretty even-handed. He would give doctrine, usually the first part of a book, and then he would talk about practice. I have found that there are a lot of people who rejoice, they revel in certain doctrines. So-and-so is sound in the faith. And they can tell you about the omniscience of God. And God is omniscient. That means He knows everything. Everything's ever been. Everything's going on right now. Everything's going to be. He even knows what would be. What if these little red-headed kiddos have been born blonde or brunette? How would they be different? I have no idea, but God knows. What if I really liked green beans? How would I be different? I really don't know. Maybe don't want to think about that. The point is, God knows all these things. And we, we revel in that. And it's not something to be ignorant about. But I think sometimes it's easy to be proud that we have a certain knowledge and as we were reminded this morning in our devotion, you know, there were some people who were very experienced, very exercised. They were religious leaders, priest and a Levite. They knew what it says in the book, but they didn't act it out. They walked on the other side of the road. They didn't lift a finger for this fellow Jew. Robbed, beaten, and left to die, probably in a ditch. The only one that gave a hoot was a half-breed. A person that society, oh, I'm not going to do anything without him. Anything to do with him? One of those? 
And the Lord said, which one of the three was really a neighbor? There's an old saying, proof of the pudding is in the, eat, is in the eating. And I have found that some people, while they're comfortable in hearing the grand and glorious doctrines that don't really impact them personally on an everyday basis. It's easy to say, okay, I can check off the box. I believe this, I believe this, I believe this. I don't know about you, but Marcia and I have known young people who have been reared in a Bible-preaching church. They're not in any kind of a sound church now. Some have gone one way, some have gone another way. And one particular family comes to my mind that uh, they reveled in the doctrines of grace. And then they went off and joined another group and they said, I still believe those doctrines, but they're not living like one that ought to as a child of God. I think sometimes people get just enough truth to sense that they're inoculated against living the life to be sold out to the Lord. Most of us so greatly impacted by Brother Orville Heath. I met him March of 86. And interestingly, it was at a Bible conference. And it was a conference of grace preachers. And while we did have that in common, I noticed that Brother Heath was always good to talk not just about what we have in our head, but what we have in our heart. He talked about godly living. You might say, I believe the truth. I know some facts and live like the devil. Shame and a disgrace. You, you cause the world to blaspheme if that is what you do. Because people watch us. People listen to the tone that we have. You know, sometimes a person can say, God bless you, but the way they say it, you don't think they really mean it. And so it's important that we understand some things. Now, in the book of James, chapter 4, it's not easy to preach some things, folks. I want you... If I got up and, God is good, everyone say amen to that. God is kind, amen, amen. God is wise, and God is powerful, and amen to all of that. But sometimes instead of hearing amen, you hear, oh me, or what's his problem? <coughs> it's a hard sell to tell somebody who's cold, and hard toward spiritual things and really making a difference for the cause of Christ. It's all well and good 
to hear a thing and say, okay, I'll accept that, and I'll just put it away, and it never impacts me. It doesn't affect the way my prayers go, the way my money is spent, the way my time is spent. Jesus Christ should make all the difference in our lives, and not just on Sunday. Which days? Everyone that ends in a Y. This is the day that the Lord has made. That's just as much true about Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays, and the other days of the week, as it is a Sunday. I'm afraid sometimes people want to get along with everybody to the point that they deny the Lord. They show themselves to be the enemies of Christ. Well, I'm a Christian. I, 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 I go to church. I have a Bible. I'm, I'm dedicated to the Lord. I'm even a member of the church. Is it possible that one of God's own could sell out? Could actually be working for the other side? In the fourth verse of the fourth chapter of James, he's not writing to lost folks when he says this, folks. Ye adulterers and adulteresses. He's talking to Christians. Yeah. You need to know something. Friendship of the world is enmity with God. That's not a popular message. We want to get along with everybody. Sure. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Hmm. Ms. Linda, did you mention a fellow named Abraham? That's a great name. You know what it says about Abraham in the scripture? He was the friend of God. Well, everybody's God's friend, right? What do I then say that about Lot? One man said, for every one Abraham, there are a thousand lots. There are lots and lots of people, pardon the pun, that want to go through the motions. It would be a great thing. And the Lord said, you are my friends if you do what I've commanded you. If you talk the talk, you need to walk the walk. We've heard that a few times, haven't we? But it is so so very true. There's a song and I wonder if you've heard it. In the chorus it says, I am a friend of God. You know I first heard that song? It wasn't in a church service. It wasn't in a Bible conference. It wasn't in a Christian school, although you heard it. It's your last Christian school. 
I heard it at Cummins Prison. First time I, and I love the fact that Brother Dan has taught me, as well as the rest of us here, some great songs. But I learned that song from some inmates. And I don't know what the condition of their heart was. I know they've done some bad stuff because you don't get locked up for singing too loud in the choir. People go in the prison, they say, what did that person do? You don't want me. Why do you suppose so-and-so? You're better off not knowing. And one wise man would say, none of them are here for singing too loud in the choir. But I want you to know that even a lost person, if they, you know, we had a lost person stand up and, and read a scripture, it's still God's word. They may not know. When Judas went through the motions, I mean, here's a guy, he, he's there with Jesus. He's serving with Jesus. He's numbered with the other 11 apostles. Nobody but the Lord knew that he was the son of perdition. He went through the motions. He didn't make the cut now, did he? He went to his own place. I hope no one has a false sense of security. Well, you know, I'm baptized. You know, I got my own Bible. You know, I go to Sunday school. I, I pray once in a while, and, and I even listen when someone else is praying. Oh, well and good, but what is the condition of your heart? Is your mind focused on the Lord? Has the Lord arrested you? As I've heard from a lot of Texans, have you been radically, have you been gloriously saved? But sometimes even those who have been saved don't think like it, don't feel like it, don't walk and talk like it. Many times people say, I want to get a new idea. And so often it's just a variation on the old ideas. We reminded I didn't know you were going to talk about Moses and those folks with all those challenges. But when the Lord was reminding me, I think it was Tuesday, because I don't throw this stuff together on Saturday night, the last minute. He reminded me that when Moses went to Pharaoh, he said, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, no! And he said, well, the Lord's going to smite you with some plagues. And he sure did. And at one point, Pharaoh said, tell you what, um, just, just the adults can go. And Moses says, no. All of us, including our animals, we're going to go and worship the Lord. And Moses had every opportunity to compromise with the world. But he said, no. We're going to go as God has said so. 
Hmm. If you are stalwart, if you are determined to stay with the stuff, I've got a laminated picture in my office on the wall that I first saw when a man drew it as a cartoon, as a comic, and appeared in a religious periodical. And one of the ladies in the opportunity there, they, they enlarged it and they put it up on the wall. And it's got a cartoon. It's a picture of, it's supposed to be a, a young Christian person. And then B, a young Christian, or a young man of the world. And they're dressed the same way. And they've got the same things going on. And the unchristian looks at the Christian and he says, Dude, who's influencing who? In the culture wars between the world and the saint, who do we look like? What attracts us? What is it that we really live according to? Some of these methods, we might call them extra-scriptural. I think if we understand them, they're anti-scriptural. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul reminds us how important it is that we show by the decisions we make, by the places we go, by how we spend our money, our time, our energies. We make an election every day. Some people say, well, every four years or every two years. But you make decisions. You display what's really important to you. Second Corinthians chapter 6. Let's read verses 14 through 16. This is why it is so very important. Sometimes young people say, well, what kind of person should I think about marrying? What sort of career should I be interested? How should I invest my time? What should be my priorities? Well, the Lord doesn't say everybody's got to be a farmer. Everybody's got to be a this. Everybody's got to be a that. And it's funny, sometimes kids get interesting misunderstandings. Mary's a little surprised. I think she was third or fourth grade. I guess she thought everybody's dad was a preacher. And everybody's dad did this and everybody's dad. But they don't. You might have neighbors who aren't in church. Have never been in church. They wouldn't know a Bible character from somebody in Maybe some cartoon or whatever. Paul writes to the Corinthian church. They were a church. But they didn't always think as Christians ought to. They didn't always act like Christians ought to. Paul says you need to make a difference. It needs to show. Be you not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Obviously he's talking about marriage. But I think there are other ways we can be unequally yoked. 
For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? Somebody says, they don't mix any better than oil and water. And if you put some water and some oil in a jar and seal the lid and shake it, bubbles of this and bubbles of that, but as soon as it can, the, what is it, viscosity or whatever they call it, you know, one of them has one way and one's the other, and so they, they separate. But sometimes we just want to schmooze. We want to see if we can fit in. We want to be like, what? You'd be better off living in a tent like Abraham than getting just too comfy with the people of this world. What communion have light with darkness? Communion. I thought that's that thing we do at the table. No. What do you have in common? What commonality is there? Are you going in the same direction? Wasn't too long ago we looked at Amos 3. 3 can two walk together except they be agreed. You've got to have some things in common. You've got to have the same priorities. That's important. And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Some say Belial. Anyway we say it, we're talking about the devil's crowd. Well, you know, on Sunday, I do the things of the Lord. And the rest of the time I can do basically whatever everybody else is doing. Doesn't make any difference. As long as you throw the Lord a bone, you know. You think the Lord appreciates being second or third or 19th or 47th place? Hmm. Hmm. What part had he that believeth with an infidel? Wasn't long ago I was telling someone that we had a fellow come in. I think it was on Wednesday night. And right before the service, he came in and, and I was standing about, about over where uh, <clears throat> our brethren are. And he said, I can tell you who Jesus was. He was a vampire. And I said, we have nothing to talk about. There's no way I can make a common cause with that. Well, sure, you say he's a vampire. Well, let's just kind of kind of see if we can meet somewhere in the middle. There is no middle ground with that. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? In another place, Paul says an idol is nothing in the world. It's just something that somebody carves out of wood or stone or their own imagination. And they make it a God. The thing that is most important. What is most important to you? Paul told the Philippians there are some people whose God is their belly. What they get in their gut. What they can feed in their face is more important to them than God. For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God. And they shall be my people. There's another passage that runs along the same line. First John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Some people say, oh, I just love this. I just love that. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't 
be thankful for our blessing. You know, a person comes from one place and they want to talk about that. A person talks about another place, they talk about that. But that you can only take that stuff so far. You have a home as a child of God. We call it heaven. And anything else, anywhere else, you're just passing through. That's why earlier Christians used to periodically refer to themselves as pilgrims. You have no permanent home. Read Hebrews 11 and it talks about the fact that these folks, they didn't get too comfy in this world. They knew that their real resting place, you talked about Joseph. What did Joseph say? He was a big shot in Egypt. But the last couple of verses tell us in the book of Genesis that he said, fellas, I'm, I'm getting ready to die. Now, I'm going to have my body not cremated, not buried in one of those fancy pyramids. I want my body to be a bump, but you put me in a coffin. Because the time will come when we're going back to that promised land. Now, I don't know if I'm going to die before the Lord comes or not. Very likely that I will. But wherever my body goes, my soul will be with the Lord. And wherever your body is buried, your soul, if you're God's child, goes to be with the Lord. And in the final analysis, the rejoicing is that they're with the Lord. So we can't get too schmoozy about something can't be crossing the line when it comes to loving this world. Boy, I'd much rather live in Arkansas than well, just about anywhere else we've ever lived. I'm about froze to death in Colorado. I'm about froze to death in Rhode Island. But Arkansas is not the last stop for me. Or you. If you're God's child, and all of this is going to go up in smoke someday anyway. So I said 1 John 2, started with verse 15, Love not the world. That's pretty direct now, isn't it? Oh, I just love this. I just love that. Really? Really? So I just love artichokes. Right? Even though they say they love their wife. Hmm. I think a lot more about this young lady than I do about artichokes. I like artichokes. I enjoy them. But I don't love them. I like I love Marcia Harris. Love not the world. <clears throat> Neither the things that are in the world. Is that really important, preacher? Well, let's just keep reading. Don't take my word for it. This is what God said. If any man love the world... The love of the Father is not in him. Wow! It's pretty direct now, isn't it? For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, 
Does that come from God? Absolutely not. It's not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world passeth away. You know what the world says about that? Well, I better get my kicks in while I can. I was in Memphis when I heard some kids playing a song on the radio. And the guy said I had this dream that it was Judgment Day. It was the year 2000. Instead of saying, I fear the Lord and I want to be right with God, he says, tonight I'm going to party like it's 1999. Yeah. Maybe there is a judgment, but I'm going to get my licks in. I'm going to have my fun. Really? Is that what we need to put out there to people? When I was quite a bit younger, there was a popular song. Man singing, if loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. That's not too subtle now, is it? We need to know. The world passeth away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. We're playing for keeps, folks. And I don't mean just Sunday morning. Every day. Everywhere we are. Has the Lord put His mark upon you? Upon me? Do we live like it? My dad had an expression. So you don't want to be a muggle Y'all ever heard of a muggle I said, Dad, what's, what's a muggle one? And he said, somebody whose mug hangs over one side of the fence and their wump hangs over the other. They want to be on good terms with anybody and everybody. Probably everybody here has been or has at least seen pictures of people out in boats. And we have some large bodies of water on this planet. Over two-thirds of the planet is covered with water. And suppose you're out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, the largest body of water we have on this planet. And suddenly, you got this boat out of the water, and the water starts to come in the boat. Is that a problem? You better believe it is. The boat in the water is the boat in the right place. But the water in the boat is the water in the wrong place. As one thing it's different about the Navy. They said, you know folks, if you're driving in a caravan and you get a flat tire, if you have to, you can always walk home. You can't walk home if you're in the middle of the Pacific Ocean and your ship goes down. You gotta deal with that. You gotta know what it is to practice damage control. And the conscientious Christian needs to think that way too. I don't want anything to sink me. I don't want to be stopped dead in my tracks. I don't want to be a cipher in the great work of God. I plan to continue this study. But the last scripture for today, I want us to look at Philippians. 
chapter 3 because this is a critical matter, folks. It makes all the difference in the world. Philippians chapter 3. Look at me, please. Verse 18. Does it cause you to weep when you hear about somebody whose life is wasted? Somebody who rebels against God. Somebody who goes that wrong way. They, they've had their life opportunities and they're people who have prayed for them. And we pray for. Did you talk about Hannah today? Hannah didn't have a child at such and such a point. And she prayed, and she prayed. She was so eager to pray. She was praying. And old Eli said, Lady, are you drunk? No, I'm praying. Who are you praying for? Pray the Lord would give me a child. The Lord give me a child. I give it back to the Lord. He would say, Oh, it'll happen. Just give it enough time. It wasn't a la-di-da thing. She ached <coughs> to have a child. And the Lord was pleased to give her the child. And you know what? After the child came, she would say, Now that I got him, I'm going to keep him. He's going to do what I want. He's going to go where I say. And all of his life, he's going to please his mama. Mama comes first. No offense, mamas, but you want your child to have the Lord. Amen. Say, the Lord is first in my life. I want to do what the Lord would have me do. I think about Brother Paul Brown who said, I'm going to be halfway around the world and I may not be there when my mama passes, but I'll be with her in heaven. Amen. Think about this. Verse 18 of Philippians 3. <clears throat> Because it's not just one or two. It's not just a few. Lots of folks do this, he says. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now he tell you even weeping. <clears throat> folks, I might be able to give a lecture on a theological fact. But when I think about souls dying, and souls going to hell, that gets to me. And God help me if it ever doesn't get to me. And God help you if it doesn't get to you. Many weep of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even eat weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Folks, this world would tell you it's all grayer. grayer. It's, it's, it's just this, it's just that, and, and anything and everything. It just really doesn't make a difference in the final analysis. But it does make a difference. Are you a friend of God? Or are you a friend of the Word? You really can't have it both ways. Yes, there are some things we ought, we ought to, of course, be grateful. 
But this business of friendship, it is a good thing, but I want the Lord willing next time to let you know that there are limits. There's only one being in the universe that you ought to have always first and foremost. And it's not your buddy. It's not your husband or your wife. It's not your child or your parent. It's not even you. It's the Lord. Always and ever. That's why I asked Brother Paul to lead us when we sang what a friend we have in Jesus. He's already paid the ultimate price. He has already been the sacrifice. And people who have come to appreciate that, they can say amen when Paul said, thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. Brother, could we have a verse?